0: And unbossed. It is your girl, Adrienne Lawrence. I'm filling in for the great boss, Nina Turner. And Since you are going to be here with me, please never forget to subscribe. Also share the stream and send some love in the comments because today we have a hell of a show for you. I'm talking about the alarming aftermath of yesterday's heinous mass shooting in Nashville at that Christian school, as well as the impending implosion of Israel's right wing government. And also later in the show, we are gonna be talking about some sneaky tactics the GOP are executing in order to quiet and silence your vote. And to help me dissect all of this is the great TYT contributor, Jordan Yule. Jordan, what's up?
1: Hey, Adrian, thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for being here. And as I understand, this is our first time collaborating together. So I am looking forward to getting all of your insight and I know that all the viewers are as well. All right, let's go ahead and get things started out in Nashville. Yep, because there we just had a uniquely American and largely preventable tragedy. It struck again another mass shooting and this time it was at a Christian elementary school in Nashville, Tennessee and the Metro Nashville Police Department. Well, they released this footage, which we are gonna start to show you here. That really shows the gravity of yesterday's attack in terms of the hunt that was going on by the shooter there. That is the shooter entering what is known as the Covenant School. The Covenant School happens to also be a church on the same campus. It is a Christian school. And as we understand, the individual who was orchestrating this attack essentially was going through the building searching for individuals with several firearms, as we understand, an assault rifle, at least two of those, and a handgun. This was very much a coordinated and orchestrated attack by this individual at an elementary school where kids are in session. There is nothing we can do or say, well, that's according to the GOP, but we'll get to that. What we do know so far is that this attack was orchestrated by an individual who has been identified as 28 year old Aiden Hale. Uh, The individual was born Audrey Elizabeth Hale, which while you will also hear that name. Now Hale took the lives of six people, including three children at the elementary school where Hale was once a student. And in the aftermath of that shooting, well, police also released this body cam footage of the tense moments before they entered the school and took Hale down. Right here, right here, right here, right here, it's locked.
1: Go. Hit that stair. Hit the stairs. Go. Go stairs. Go stairs. Go. Go.
0: Go. 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 Keep
1: Shots fired, shots fired, shots fired, move, right,
0: right, right, push the LPBO, push the LPBO, go right. That was the officers there as they were embarking upon hail. Now we cut right before the police shot them and took them down. Uh, now we know that the officers uh, who ended up taking down hail, that's officer Rex, Eggelbert, a four year veteran of the force, I believe we have pictures of them up here. As well as officer Michael Colazzo, a nine year veteran, and they acted very swiftly. It, I know they're still investigating everything that's going on. I'm sure we'll get a full report, but from what I've seen, at least what's circulating on the internet with the body cam footage. It seems like these people did not in any way hesitate as a concern taking the shooter down. And unfortunately, it was not before Hale took out several children Including also adults as well, six people in total. Three again were children. This per the independent. The victims nine year olds Evelyn Dykus, Haley Scruggs, and William Kinney, 61 year old Cynthia Peek, 60 year old Catherine Kuntz, and 61 year old Michael Hill. And we do have pictures of them. Uh, Shannon Watts, a founder of Moms Demand, uh, who fights to fight against gun access and these restrictions that are too laxed. To put out these pictures. This is Haley Shrugs, or Scruggs, excuse me. One of the three children that was slain in the mass school shooting in Nashville. Nine years old, uh, Scruggs' father is a senior pastor at Covenant Presbyterian Church. Uh, this next photo here is Catherine Kuntz. This individual also mentioned, head of Covenant School. The next photo here we have is of Evelyn Dykes who is nine years old, if we wanna go ahead and turn to her photo. Uh, and it looks like we're having some issues getting there, it up there. But also, and then there was Mike Hill. And so if we get those photos later, we will show them to you. But these individuals, they were innocent without a doubt. And I know that they had just started with this investigation of figuring out why this is happening. But from the headlines we are seeing so far, we know that police are now saying that the attack was targeted. And also that the Metro Nashville Police Department also told, and CBS News, this: we have a manifesto. We have some writings that we're going over that pertain to this date, the actual incident. We have a map drawn out of how this was all going to take place. Once again, Hale very much coordinated this attack on their former school. And now you have six people dead, including three small children. It just, it seems like we are on repeat. All we see is mass shootings, children dying, and we've seen it for decades now and nothing seems to be getting done. Jordan.
1: It's its, it's frustrating, it's heartbreaking. I, at some point yesterday, I just hit a wall and had to check out. Because this isn't a normal thing that we should have to look at, think about, analyze, comment on. I mean, these are children and random adults being targeted and killed. This isn't something that happens at this scale anywhere else in the world. But here we have to deal with this on a daily basis. And we look to our elected leaders to do something about it. Because again, this is a uniquely American problem and they throw up their hands. They say there's nothing we can do or it would infringe on people's rights. And meanwhile, they just take you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars in some cases over the course of their career from the NRA and the gun lobby. We don't have to accept this premise where this is something we have to live with, where we have to worry about our friends, our loved ones, our kids not coming home one day. This is purely and uniquely American and action on this is long overdue.
0: Absolutely, it is long overdue and it is just, it is infuriating. And you would also like to think that people are tired, that citizens, that voters are tired, but unfortunately we see them continue to put people in office who are not willing to institute change. And when it comes to people and how they feel, especially parents, well, I want you to see this parent here who was not going to let Fox News have this live hit yesterday in Nashville outside of the school, watch this. Aren't you guys tired of covering this? Aren't you guys tired of being here and having to cover all these mass shootings? I'm from Highland Park. family vacation with my son visiting my sister-in-law. I have been lobbying in DC since we survived a mass shooting in July. I have met with over 130 lawmakers. How is this still happening? How are our children still dying and why are we failing them? Gun violence is the number one killer of children and teens. It has overtaken cars. Assault weapons are contributing to the border crisis and fentanyl. We are arming cartels with our guns and our goose loose gun laws. And these shootings and these mass shootings will continue to happen until our lawmakers step up and pass gun safety legislation. And she is absolutely right until there is change, there will be no change. But unfortunately, it seems that those in leadership are not necessarily advancing when it comes to the conversation of what change can be had in terms of people actually taking action. So we have the right and the left still doing this little dance and we saw that yesterday when Joe Biden took to the podium to talk a little bit about what he would like in terms of a call to action. So I call on Congress again to pass my assault weapons ban. It's about time that we began to make some more progress, but there's more to learn. But I just wanted to send my uh, concern and hearts out to so many parents. Yes, uh, lots of thoughts and prayers out there. That's what we get from a number of politicians. And the question is, what would actually be done if you used all the power in your arsenal, so to speak? And the thing is, is that I know that Biden is also at the mic again today, begging for change. But my God, there just has to be something far more, Jordan.
1: Absolutely. There was an interview I saw about a year and a half ago. There was a shooting at a Washington Nationals game and a local news. The local news interviewed a father and his young daughter who might have been around eight or nine about what it was like being in that stadium. When somebody opened fire. And she said, Oh, it's okay. This isn't the first shooting that I've been through. And I want people to think about that when you hear clips like that and this mother who interrupted the Fox stand up, who just last year survived the Highland Park, Illinois shooting. How insane it is that we're at the point where the gun violence problem in this country has gotten so bad that people are, are surviving multiple mass shootings. This was the 135th, I think, mass shooting so far this year. And yesterday was the 86th day of the year. We can't stand idly by as this continues to happen, as people are continue to be killed in cold blood. Because the gun lobby has a stranglehold over Congress. It's time for people to finally stand up to this issue, to rebuke this corporate and lobbyist cash. And actually take action and it's maddening when you see people like members of Congress from Tennessee who admit this is bad, but we're not gonna solve the problem. It shows where their loyalties lie and it's not with their constituents.
0: No, it's not with their constituents and it's not with humanity. As far as I'm concerned, they are watching individuals kill themselves or watching individuals die. They're watching our children uh, die and they are completely okay with sitting and doing nothing but lining their coffers. And that seems to definitely be something that the Republicans, have no problem simply saying out loud at this point. But of course, they'll use any other justification possible. This here is Republican Representative Tim Burchett, who happens to be a representative for Tennessee. And this is what he had to say after yesterday's shooting little kids lost
1: their lives and I believe three adults I believe, and, um, and the shooter of course lost their life too so it's, it's a horrible horrible situation and we're not going to fix it criminals are going to be criminals and my daddy fought in the second world war fought in the pacific fought the japanese
0: and he told me he said buddy he said if somebody wants to take you out and doesn't mind losing their life there's not a whole heck of a lot you can do about it that would seem to be very much a lie because I'm guessing that the individual can't take you and other people out as easily if they're not operating with an assault rifle, come on, if somebody had a knife, they're gonna have to work a hell of a lot harder to take six lives before being taken down than if they had some kind of semi-automatic weapon, shall we say, it's, just, it's completely and totally ludicrous. And of course, this is House Majority Leader Steve Scalise uh, who had to throw in his two cents. Yeah, the first thing in any kind of tragedy I do is as I pray, I pray for the victims,
1: pray for their families. I, I, I really get angry when I see people trying to
0: politicize it for their own personal agenda, especially when we don't even know the facts. There- he was not put in office to pray, I assure you. He was put in office to pass laws to protect we the people. But no, uh, the way they wanna go about it is don't politicize it. It's time to pray as opposed to actually to put in some actions. It just It's completely disturbing to me that people continue to vote these individuals in office despite the fact that they are doing absolutely nothing while our children are being murdered. Jordan, am, am I off base here?
1: No, uh, not at all. This is this seems like common sense. We we shouldn't have to uh, live with this problem. And for Steve Scalise, who was shot by somebody, that's the this I think the most jarring thing about his reaction. Some lunatic shot him, and he still turns around and says, "Oh, we shouldn't do anything about the problem." I I, he's okay with it, I, it's that, that NRA money must be great, keeps them in power. They don't have to do anything about it, they wash their hands of it. They sleep at night, I guess, I, I don't know how. I don't know what solution there is because these people who are hell bent on allowing this problem to continue to fester because they get campaign contributions from the NRA, from the gun manufacturers, from the lobbyists. I, I I don't know, I don't know what we can do and I, you know, I wanna be supportive of any democratic efforts to rein in the, the, this problem and the proliferation of firearms in this country. But until we tackle the problem of money and politics, nothing's really gonna change. So we could pay lip service to the issue, we can feel bad and then tomorrow's a new day with another mass shooting. I, just, I feel very cynical on it because I've, we've all watched this problem grow and develop into this really cancerous rot in this country and Nothing's changed.
0: Nope, and it's just, you become desensitized to it at a certain point. Uh, But I can definitely tell you that yesterday's situation really kept people from saying that, well, we need to put God back in schools. Because God was clearly there if this was a Christian establishment. And yet still mass shootings were also on the premises. So we need to realize that this is a matter of guns because people want to deflect other issues. And speaking of other issues, unfortunately, people are also using this particular situation to advance their transphobia. The individual Hale, who I mentioned went by Aiden, Aiden, excuse me. But was born identifying as a woman, but has since identified as a man. People are using that uh, really to further and advance their transphobic agenda that we have seen pop up across the country with the anti LGBTQ sentiment. And so of course, the vast majority of the commentary happen to come out of the Republican end as they are jumping on this situation again to demonize trans folks like check this out here with Josh Holly's tweet. Uh, basically stating that the shooter uh, or the shooting of the situation here that it needs to be investigated as a hate crime. Yeah, a hate crime in particular. The thing is, is the investigation isn't where it is yet. And so to go ahead and advance this to suggest that it's the uh, us versus them narrative of trans versus cis is absolutely disgusting. Also, of course, Don Jr had to get in his thoughts and he tweeted this. Mothers at PTA meetings who didn't want their children indoctrinated in schools were labeled domestic terrorists by our FBI and DOJ. So far nothing about that after a trans sociopath who wrote you mess with our kids, we kill your kids in he his manifesto before killing six people. That is completely and totally again speculative, completely unfounded and just transphobic. That's so in line with uh, Trump Jr's nonsense. And also uh, Jack Posobiec saying, tweeting the trans shooter left a manifesto, not a suicide note and it isn't hard to infer the message intended. You mess with our kids, we will kill your kids textbook act of domestic terrorism. Again, that is a right wing narrative that has been circulating around social media. But there is no basis to it, Uh, I'm sure the police will tell us more information. But as of right now, there is no reason to use this shooting as a way to advance transphobia, it's not trans or any kind of gender identity or even any kind of sexual identity that is taking the lives of children. That is the number one reason children are dying in the United States. No, it is the prevalence of guns and the lack of gun reform. Again, for those in the back, it is a lack of gun reform. There are not individuals out there targeting your children that are the problem. Again, gun reform, hear it. Jordan, any last thoughts?
1: The right wing push and narrative around this shooting is a total distraction. And I would encourage people not to take the bait because what isn't the issue here is their identity or their orientation or whatever. Who cares if Republicans really cared about that, they would have spent the last few years bemoaning the 98% of mass shootings that were carried out by white cis men. But they haven't because this feeds into their larger anti trans narrative. But here's the thing and here's how you can distinguish this scenario from all of the other scenarios that they fear mongered over regarding trans people nobody's died at any of these other these other situations they haven't died at uh you know drag queen story hours or you know from simply from trans people existing the the distinguishing factor here is that this person had an assault rifle that's it the problem is guns and what they're trying to do is distract people from the real issue because they're paid to
0: Absolutely. And we know how the right loves to get their coins. They love to collect them, even if it means that they are going to be upping a body count now, more in the future, just because they, again, really enjoy getting that money from the NRA. We will have more for you when we get back. Welcome back to Unboss. It is Adrian Lawrence filling in for the great Nina Turner. To the extent I can, I hope you all are out there following along on the live stream. And I hope you consider getting a membership. That's right, cuz memberships, well, they protect TYT's ability to report on things like corruption, politics, crime, the things mainstream media will not cover. We have conversations on without a doubt. And of course, we provide it to you in a progressive lens. So support our work at tyt.com slash join and let's make positive change happen together. Also, don't forget the watch list. That's right, after you watch Emboss with Nina Turner. Make sure you stay tuned for the watchlist there jackson will share his takes on the stories i'm talking news politics culture current events sports and maybe even a few police chases we'll have to wait and see but i need you to subscribe to the watch list and watch live daily five eastern to pacific at youtube.com watch list tyt and also Oh, your ears i got some love that's right because unbossed live check it out for the full episode by checking out our podcast That's listen to unbossed on apple podcast or wherever you get your downloads also it'd be great if you rated our show with five stars because hey why not i think we are five stars and as far as what everyone out there is saying those stars of the tyt members well vicky says sometimes i think we should just shut down the economy school workers and students office workers retail take a couple days off while our legislators panic and do something before their donors lose money when no one is working or spending money yes i believe they might call that one big worker strike and i am here for it that's right because they should be working for us last I checked and also for twitch. Well, Michael says the aftermath of the shooting is nothing is gonna change. I fear you are correct. Hunger Games says at least these cops weren't cowards like you, Balde cops. I know I was thinking the same thing. They really went up in there and they flexed something fear. So my hat is off to them. I know we often give police, uh, you know, uh, what well, we call out the bad ones, but my God, I, these ones were good at what they did. I'm very grateful for their courage and their work. Madrid said Republicans act like there is no point doing anything unless you can eliminate all gun violence at once with a single move. Exactly, it's just a red herring. Oh, and also thank you so much for subscribing for nine months, Liana, much appreciated last notes Well, the youtube super chat you don't like my music says a good guy with a gun is a bad guy with a gun waiting to happen exactly because that's pretty much what we're talking about here the moment the circumstances change a lot of people don't recognize that as you noted a good guy with a gun could become a bad guy and there is definitely a bad guy out there which i think we've kind of known that they've been in existence for a bit and i'm talking about benjamin Net- netanyahu that is the prime minister of Israel, because we have heard from the people there and it's been absolute chaos. And here's my breakdown at Overruled. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu fired his defense minister over the weekend for objecting to his plan to overhaul the court system, something that the prime minister seeks to do so that he can hopefully evade pending corruption charges against him. But the defense minister didn't object for ethical reasons. He simply knew Netanyahu's plan to overhaul the courts threatened Israel's stability. Yes, that's right. There are people pushing back and some are you know, operating with the best of intentions and the others simply realize it wouldn't happen. But of course, there are people out there who just aren't having it either way. And that's the nearly 1 million Israelis who took to the streets in protest. And we have some footage here. Uh, yeah, that's right. Over the last few days, uh, Israelis have been using their voice to challenge this religious nationalist government there in Israel. And they There are many there who see what's going on with Netanyahu and really see this as an attempted power grab as he's trying to reshape Israeli society in a way that's going to disadvantage them. That is going to uplift uh, individuals who are looking more for that nationalistic Israeli take as opposed to maybe bringing people together. And also not using their power to completely and totally offend the court system. Here's more about the overhaul of the courts per CNN. At its core, the judicial overhaul would give the Israeli parliament the Knesset. And therefore, the parties in power more control over Israel's judiciary. From how judges are selected to what laws the Supreme Court can rule on to even giving parliament power to overturn Supreme Court decisions. The changes would be the most significant shakeups to Israel's judiciary since its founding in 1948. Another significant element of the changes is, known as the override clause, which would give the Israeli parliament the power to pass laws previously ruled invalid by the court, essentially overriding supreme court decisions. The thing a lot of people don't realize about Israel is that it does not have a constitution like the United States at all. So there aren't things mapped out in terms of true separation of powers, which is what is putting Netanyahu in a position where he can potentially upend the entire court system and the judiciary. So he will have more power and Pretty much looking to evade conviction since he's facing those corruption charges. Well, another change that benefits Netanyahu in his attempted move uh, is another bill now voted through makes it more difficult for a sitting prime minister to be declared unfit for office, restricting the reasons to physically or mentally incapacity and requiring either the prime minister themselves or two thirds of the cabinet to vote for such a declaration. There is a lot going on there in Israel and it is quite complicated. But the thing that is a very basic clear reality is the fact that we have someone who is operating similar to Trump tried to take over the court so they could avoid Uh, facing any kind of consequences for their actions. And the thing is, when it comes to Israel, however, it's not just the Israeli people that are throwing their weight behind opposing Netanyahu's right wing transition. Uh, This Israeli journalist and activist, Hagai Matar breaks it down.
1: The army is basically collapsing, the the central and most important units that sustain Israel's Air Force and Intelligence Corps are basically filled with thousands of people who are saying that they will refuse to continue service or their reserve service if the legal overhaul goes through.
0: Right. Their military is not about it. Law enforcement has pulled back. They are not going to support this overhaul of the government. They are highly, highly unionized in Israel, big on unions. And they shut down the airport. We saw in France where individuals shut down in terms of the garbage disposal, trash maintenance. That is pretty much what was going on in Israel, of course until recently, which we will have the updates. But I wanna pause right now and get the temperature from you, Jordan. What's your outlook?
1: But this is yet another example of why the US should reevaluate its alliance with Israel. You know, the US and its foreign policy always claims to prioritize democracy, the rights of the individual, the rights of people. And purportedly you know, supporting democracy around the world. And time and time again, throughout all these different countries, our allies have shown they're anything but democratic. Typically our alliances around the world are for militaristic reasons. And criticism of our alliance with Israel or how the Israeli government operates specifically in relation to Palestinians. And being de- them being deprived of their rights and autonomy has been dismissed or framed as anti-Semitic and that is untrue. So. What we need to do here is take a serious look at our relationship and alliance with Israel because what they're showing is they don't really have. This current government does not truly value democracy in their society. And we've seen that in how they treat Palestinians and how this current government is operating. Unfortunately, the influence that the Israeli lobby has here, it's, it's very similar and analogous to how the NRA operates. They have you know, bought the support of a ton of politicians throughout both parties in supporting Israel unilaterally. And again, it all comes back to the money in politics. APAC is a hugely influential bipartisan force in American politics. And until we do something about it, you're going to have people who just act like we have to be deferential to whatever the Israeli government does no matter who it harms.
0: And the thing is, is that our society is not necessarily backing down or pushing back uh, in terms of Israel and getting them to act right. Particularly as it concerns the Palestinians. As I mentioned, the lack of a constitution. The thing is, is that when Israel was declared and created in 1948, it said it was going to develop a constitution so it could set up the separation of powers and prevent things like we're seeing with Netanyahu. Unfortunately, as I understand it, they did not do that at that point in time in part because they didn't want to have to. Um, limit the state's power such that they would have to treat everyone uh, in an equitable way. And it would have made them harder, uh, harder of a situation for them to carry out the settler colonial project that they have going in Palestine. That is, as many people have noted, a human rights violation. And that continues to persist with the apartheid actions there. And the thing is, is that those individuals taking to the streets, aren't necessarily uh, objecting to the treatment and the rights for Palestinians in any way. It's the concerns of what Netanyahu would do that would upend what they have going that would benefit them. It is a very powerful thing, but we do have to note that that judicial overhaul was just paused uh, because it's a matter of now recognizing that Netanyahu cannot get away with it. Uh, and as a result of that, unfortunately, and having the minister of Of defense being removed. Well, uh, as this Israeli Palestinian journalist noted in a letter, saying, I hate to burst everybody's bubble, but Netanyahu is merely postponing his showdown by a month and has signed a document granting Itamar Ben Gavir, a convicted terror criminal, a private militia. Yes, that's Itamar Ben Gavir is the Minister of National Security. And it appears that Netanyahu has given him a right to have his own militia or his own small private military. And Ben Gavir is very, very problematic. And this is also what we know from the times of Israel staff. Ben Gavir circulated a letter to media outlets dated Monday and signed by Netanyahu in which the prime minister vowed to raise the issue of forming such a body within the national security ministry in the upcoming cabinet meeting this Sunday. Now the former Israeli police chief, Uh, blasted this move calling it dangerous and a distinct characteristic of turning Israel into a dictatorship. You cannot have an operational force that doesn't report to the police commissioner. Yeah, with good reason. It seems like he is now Netanyahu is now given the power to this individual uh, Inamar Ben-Gavir, who again is a war criminal, but also is known for trying to eliminate Palestinians and that has been something that has been on his agenda. This is very scary in terms of the people there and what is going to happen to them if he is allowed to form his own military, especially given what's going on right now in terms of the divisive nature of the country. Any last words on this Jordan?
1: Can't help but draw parallels to what Texas Republicans wanna do. They want to allow militias to operate on the border free from any oversight or enforcement by the police or the government and you know address handle which would ultimately mean you know killing harming injuring immigrants when you enable people to operate outside of any oversight or scrutiny and they are militarized the result is going to be at best mass murder and unfortunately potentially ethnic cleansing And we've already seen the bloodlust from some of these people in the Israeli government toward Palestinians. Throwing in a militia that is free from oversight, essentially guarantees that more blood will be spilled. And I can't help but think and sympathize with Palestinians right now. It's horrifying.
0: Yes, indeed, it is very horrifying. And as they sit back and watch and wonder what's going to happen, they remain in a very vulnerable position. And so we need to keep an eye out for them. Uh, Palestinians on both sides of the border without a doubt. And speaking of the border, while there was a horrific situation at the US Mexico border last night, nearly 40 immigrants or excuse me, migrants weren't declared dead or they were, excuse me, they were declared dead this morning. After a fire broke out overnight, Mexican president, uh, well, he said that the fire was sparked by migrants in protest of their looming deportation. Uh, President Lopez also added that this was one of the deadliest events ever at a Mexican immigration lockup, Uh, more about the situation from AP. Hours after the fire broke out late Monday, rows of bodies were laid out under shimmery silver sheets outside of the facility. in Ciudad Juarez, which is across from El Paso, Texas and a major crossing point for migrants, uh, ambulances, firefighters and vans from the morgue swarmed the scene. Now at the time of the blaze, 68 men from Central and South America were being held at that facility. Now 28 of the dead are Guatemalan citizens. Also those injured and deceased from the fires were uh, from Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Venezuela, Colombia, Ecuador. Carrie Talbot, deputy director of the immigration hub stated this on Twitter this morning, 39 people dead at the US border in a Mexican detention center. The US bears responsibility for pushing these migrants back into Mexico to face unsafe conditions. Now in December, a Trump appointed federal judge had blocked President Joe Biden's attempt to end the policy uh, which rights groups say is illegal. Now, meanwhile, uh, Biden has been under heavy criticism from advocates for his asylum proposals. And I know now we also recently um, met with Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada to talk about how we're gonna handle a lot of the migrants and those seeking asylum. And the thing is is that what the us is doing it's not clearly it's not working yes you have individuals losing their lives these individuals have done nothing wrong they are migrants they are seeking help they are not criminals like the right would like you to think these are individuals who are in a very vulnerable position and seeking help from a number of the countries we put in compromising positions so it just seems we need to get our stuff together because we are not upholding this whole idea that the Americans are focused on humanity, Jordan. You also
1: have to recognize the role the US has played over the past several decades in destabilizing these countries that has led to the influx of immigrants trying to come to this country. We can't ignore that in these conversations and unfortunately our elected leaders never want to acknowledge that. They don't wanna acknowledge how the CIA operated throughout South and Latin America for decades. Overthrowing democratically elected leaders, assassinating them, funding and arming death squads and militias and the proliferation of firearms from this country that led to mass death. We have to center that in this conversation. That's why people are leaving their homes and trying to seek refuge here. And in 2020, Biden ran on a campaign that largely tried to distinguish himself from Trump. On immigration, and over the past few years, in part because of legal decisions like you're talking about, but also through their own accord, have slowly crept back to some of the policies that they previously admonished. If we want to create a world that truly lives up to what we all want the American ideal to be, we actually need to chart a new and different course on immigration. Welcome people here. This, you want this to be this beacon of light for people around the world to come to and create a better life, then live up to it, show it, prove it. But putting people in cages, having them remain in Mexico, turning away asylum seekers, it, it does anything but. And it undercuts this this idealist premise of what America should be.
0: Absolutely, as far as I'm concerned, it really just seems that hypocrisy is the official language of the United States. But. Those are just my thoughts. and we will have more thoughts uh, when we get back from this break. Yes, welcome back to Unboss. It is Adrian Lawrence filling in for the great Nina Turner. And once again, please definitely get your membership on. That's right, because when you sign up for a membership, you're protecting TYT's ability to report on all of the deets that the mainstream media doesn't want to discuss or doesn't want you to know. So support our network at tyt.com join, and let's make some positive change together. Also, definitely make sure you follow the podcast. That's right, Unbossed Live. You can catch the full episodes by checking out the podcast on apple Podcasts, wherever you get it, that's right. And also please hit it up with that five star rating and well speed racer of a TYT member says not Netanyahu needs to go straight to jail as Trump should here, without a doubt. Also on Twitch, Melanie says the rich around the world are trying to force fascism on us. And even most countries that do not have so or do have social safety nets are being fought and chipped away slowly like ours was. Absolutely. Also, Orlando, YouTube super chat saying, Adrian, I love your work, girl. Thanks so much. I'm always trying to get out the message to y'all. So I really appreciate those of you who are listening. And you want to hear something bad? Well, you know, the GOP is at it again as it concerns trying to cut back our opportunities and rights as it concerns voting. So with that 2024 election around the corner, well, Yeah, the GOP states are up to it again in terms of pressing voter ID rules. And the effects of it are somewhat unclear. But apparently right now it seems Ohio is leading the charge, this for the AP. As Ohio's primary approach is a strict new photo ID requirement is stirring concerns for military veterans and out of state college students in Amish communities and among older voters. Ruth Kahaki is among those caught up in the confusion over Ohio's law, which is going into effect this year. The retired nurse from Cincinnati gave up her driver's license and her car in 2019. Now at 82, she thought she might never have to set foot in another state license agency. But Ohio uh, now requires an unexpired photo ID, in order for someone to vote. And she'll have to get that at the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. The law adds passports as valid ID, but eliminates non-photo documentation such as a bank statement, government check, or utility bill for registration and in-person voting. Military IDs are no longer acceptable when registering to vote. Can you imagine how much stress this is putting on older individuals? Also individuals in the military and as mentioned those in Amish counties. Because for you to have to go to the DMV, to get that and also the documentation that you need, get out of here. Most people don't know where their birth certificates are, social security numbers, all of those things that are generally required for a photo ID. Now you have this population of individuals who have to go get that if they want to participate and have their voices heard as members of our community. That's not okay. And it's also not okay that this is impacting students, students at Ohio State University in particular. They've been advised um, or their university itself has advised it's roughly 16,000 out of state students against voting in person on election day for fear that obtaining the necessary state ID card would invalidate their driver's license in their home state and disrupt their financial aid and residency status. The school suggests such students casting Ohio ballots do so by mail. Wow, that is a lot in terms of suggesting that students not vote. By saying, hey, it's tethered to your financial aid. That sounds like some hint, hint voter suppression to my knowledge. But of course, Ohio isn't alone in trying to push these suppression laws. Of the 35 states that request or require a photo ID to vote, Ohio is now the ninth Republican controlled state to move to a strict law allowing few to no alternatives according to the National Conference of State Legislatures. The number of states where voters face strict photo ID requirements is poised to rise in the coming months. And GOP continues to push the election integrity, citing voter fraud, even though we know that's all bunk. Jordan, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, citing election fraud is ridiculous because there are maybe a handful of cases every cycle. And what they're ultimately trying to do here, especially when we're talking about college students and the difficulties this creates for college students, is to cut back on what we've seen over the past two cycles. And it is that Gen Z, or you know, now in college or approaching college, are way more liberal than their or predecessor generations. So that created this scenario where Biden, even <laughs> somewhat unpopular in a really tough midterm climate, Democrats hung on to the Senate, expanded their majority in the Senate. You know, this is they Republicans really underperformed in the House too, and you could thank young voters. So this is what the GOP is going to try to do around the country. How do we make it as difficult as possible for young people to vote? And this is just one way and we're going to stay replicated throughout red states around the country.
0: Absolutely, without a doubt, they do not want young people using their voices in any form or fashion in part because they do not align with the old school draconian ways of the right. And it's so incredibly disheartening because these people are paying taxes. They are contributing to Ohio yet, So many of them seem to not be able to necessarily vote based on this new uh, structure that is put in place in Ohio that could, as they say, jeopardize their financial aid. It really again sounds just like voter suppression 101 and it would be nice if it came back to bite the GOP. But I doubt that will be the case because individuals who are more aligned with the right will be able to figure out what they need to do in order to be able to jump through the hoops that the GOP has set up. It's hoping will hamper most of those on the on the left. And also speaking of the students there on the left, well, student loan debt plan is back in the headlines. Why, because the Supreme Court is continuing to weigh Biden's uh, debt cancellation plan. As GOP senators are really trying to take matters into their own hands though, watch this.
1: Yeah, the president says that he's canceling student loans. He's not canceling those student loans. He is gonna transfer the obligation to pay them back to those who already paid their student loans back or who never took the loan out in the first place. That's $400 billion being transferred from people who willingly took them on. In some cases, making as a family $250,000 a year to someone who never went to college, never wanted a loan, or if they did, they sacrificed to pay it back. It's wrong, it's unfair.
0: Wow, that's that's really creative. I'd love to see his tax returns if he is that much into fiction. That was Republican Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana complaining about forgiving student loan debt. A lot of hypocritical talking points there. But first off, you know a breakdown of what's really going on. So Republican Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, Johnny Erst of Iowa and John Corbin of Texas along with 36 other GOP senators introduced a resolution on Monday to overturn Biden's debt relief program, which promises up to 20,000 of debt relief for eligible borrowers. The measure would also end the pandemic-related pause on federal student loan payments, which has been in place since March of 2020 and is set to expire this summer. The Republican senators introduced a resolution using the Congressional Review Act, which allows Congress to roll back regulations from the executive branch without needing to clear the 60-vote threshold in the Senate. That is necessary for most legislation, that's a nice little loophole. Well, Biden would very likely veto the resolution if it succeeds in both the Senate and the House, but votes would force members of his own party who have not all been in support of the student loan forgiveness program to take a public stance. The program is currently blocked and the Supreme Court's expected to issue its ruling in late June or early July. And I'm sure the Supreme Court will find a way to ensure that we get stuck um, with all of the debt, make sure that we bear that burden. Mm, Always
1: fun, Jordan. Again, this is a uniquely American problem. We have this colossal, what is it, 1.7 trillion dollar student debt bubble, and we're just expecting that to somehow resolve itself. Uh, The the Student uh, Loan or Student Borrower Protection Center has been warning about the reinstatement of payments causing a, you know, mass default or mass missed payment scenario because people just can't afford it. We had a massive transfer of wealth during the pandemic. And people were out of work, economic hardship increased. Now we're dealing with inflation. That's why Trump paused payments because the president has the authority to do that. And this to the president and the secretary of education rather. And we acknowledged in that moment, this is a problem. This is a very serious economic problem for millions of people around the country. And now Republicans, many of whom took PPP loans, by the way, and had those forgiven, they had no problem taking that money. Never mind that I I was never part of your your company. I would I never took on the agreement to pay your employees, but somehow I had to pay the bill for you. Now that same rationale doesn't apply when it when it applies to the. Uh, when it comes to the millions of student loan borrowers and people are just expected to suddenly deal with a huge mountain of debt because the cost of college has increased over the past 10, 15 years, hundreds, or in some cases, hundreds of percent. The wage increase since that time, I think it's around 15 to 20% overall. How are we expected to pay for this? How are people truly expected to pay for this? And they're delaying major life decisions as a result of this. If they really wanna see a sustainable vibrant economy going forward, they should allow a moderate level of cancellation here.
0: Absolutely, and the thing is, is they know they have the research out there to show how it would benefit us all if they were to forgive debt, if they were to provide free education. But they don't wanna do it, of course, because they need to maintain the classes, they need to maintain the divide. And they want to discourage us as much as possible from getting any sense of higher education. Because the more educated we are, the more difficult we are to control. And it makes it more difficult for them to be able to lie to us and for us to swallow it and say it's a-okay. Yet still, as you've mentioned, Jordan, you have members to the right you have these republicans who were perfectly fine with debt being forgiven in various walks of life as long as it serves them as we saw with the ppp loans so many of which were completely and totally wiped out also we know uh, the gentleman bill cassidy as we saw the louisiana representative no problem with taxpayers being burdened by the 858 billion dollars in defense budget debt uh, as well as um what he had argued passionately for a $700 billion Wall Street bailout. The fact is that our leaders on the right have no problem whatsoever with the government picking up their tab as long as it's theirs and as long as it helps again, maintain that class divide and keep people in a situation where they are struggling and that they have to continue to be good worker bees as opposed to educated individuals who are recognized as contributing members of society and have an opportunity to live life to its fullest and to be able to have families and all of the other good things that individuals should have in life. But instead, the right would prefer we have bills and oppression. Then again, once again, just my thought, but I know we are wrapping up our thoughts for today, Jordan. And so I want to give you an opportunity to share your thought in terms of where people can follow you, find more about you, get to know you more.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Uh, Adrienne. It was great to finally talk to you uh, for the first time. (laughs) Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jordan Yule, and I have a podcast called The Insurgents. You can find on any podcast platform.
0: Awesome, thank you so much, Jordan, really appreciate you joining in today. And I hope to um, see more of you on Twitter, even though it seems like it will be imploding after April 1, we will see there's been so many promises at a time. But for now, you all can catch me on Twitter at Adrienne Law, Instagram at Adrienne Lawrence, and also my segment overruled, which is on Rebel HQ. So I wanna thank you all for joining me today and also I will be back tomorrow, and we're going to have a good old time, believe me, because the GOP keeps it going in terms of the nonsense, but I deliver. See you then.
1: Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network, like The Damage Report with John idarola Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.